Grace, mercy, and peace are yours, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, from God our Heavenly Father, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, I heard some advice a number of years ago, uh, and this advice was intended for young couples that were just getting married and looking to buy furniture uh, for their new home together. And the advice goes a little something like this. We expect that most couples will want to invest in a nice bed first, and we recognize that that's important, but what you really should focus on is getting a good dining room table and have enough chairs to have people over. Well, as I recall, this advice came from a show about food, so it makes sense, and it was uh, uh, putting forth a French mindset, a French philosophy of life, Uh, So you can take that with whatever grain of salt you see fit. But I think there's true wisdom in this advice because I think what it does is it recognizes the truth that a bed, while important, we all have to sleep, uh, it is inwardly focused, while a dining room table is outwardly focused. In other words, uh, you show hospitality at your table, not your bed. Now, you might invite people into your bedroom if you're confident in your decorating and cleaning skills, but you don't invite people to come in and sleep with you in your bed. If you do, we'll talk after the service, okay? Uh, But I take it no one does. No, no, no. Instead, you invite people in, you sit them down at your dining room table, you set before them food and drink, and you sit with them, and you talk, you have conversation, you you share your lives. And whether it's family, friends, or strangers, you bring them in and you make their story part of your story and your story part of their story. And so whether this meal is big or small, whether it's a whole four-course meal or simple coffee and cake in the afternoon, you are sharing your life with other people. You're sharing your highs and your lows, your joys, your woes, You're sharing what you're learning in life and who you're becoming. And so as we look at the Lord's Supper today, as the third mark in Luther's uh, set of marks of the church, I think this follows well. We started off a couple weeks ago looking at the foundation of the church. And Luther rightly identifies this as the Word of God. We talk about Scripture, but we also talk of the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. Everything is built on him. And then last week, Pastor Braun walked us through baptism. We call the watermark of faith, this thing that stamps us and identifies us all as Christians, people of God. And so if we think of the Word as the foundation, and you might think of baptism as sort of a roof over this house, we have a little bit of a rudimentary house, and Now we have a table, something that invites people in, something where we can show hospitality, where God's story becomes our story. And this is a great gift, and in this great gift of communion, we are fed and strengthened indeed. We talk about that often, but we're also united to Jesus and to one another in this gift. And so Luther writes about it that Third, God's people 
or Christian holy people are recognized by the holy sacrament of the altar where it is rightly administered, believed, and received according to Christ's institution. This, too, is a public sign and a precious holy possession left behind by Christ, by which his people are sanctified, so that they also exercise themselves in faith and openly confess that they are Christian, just as they do with the word and baptism. So we see that the Lord's Supper is a central part of the Christian faith, the Christian life, and the practice of the church. We especially see this in how Jesus institutes it. So if we look at the Gospels, we look at the life of Jesus, he goes about preaching and teaching. He's proclaiming to people the presence of the kingdom of God, that he is bringing the forgiveness of sins that we so desperately need and that has been promised by God long before. And he drags along his disciples, preparing them, teaching them, uh, getting them ready to go out and continue to do this work of preaching and teaching and forgiving sins that they will continue on once he dies, rises, and ascends. But if you look through the Gospels, you'll notice that the disciples, they often don't get it. And yet, and yet, on this night, when Jesus institutes his supper, this night before he goes to the cross, as they celebrate the high Jewish festival of Passover, when they would remember what God had done for the Israelites long, long ago to deliver them out of the house of slavery of Egypt and bring them to the promised land, Jesus brings his disciples to his table. He brings them together to receive his gifts and to be part of his story of salvation. But this night, this night is different because Jesus changes things on the disciples. They may have expected one thing, but he changes things. This story that Jesus is bringing them into is not just about the past, but is about the present fulfillment that Jesus is enacting, and that greater promise of deliverance that is to come. It's about the future when this promise of salvation will be fully consummated. Jesus tells his disciples that this bread, this wine, this is his body, his blood. They are the fulfillment of the signs that they had been enacting for so long. He is the true Passover lamb who would deliver them from the bondage to sin and to save them from death. Yeah, they may not get it just yet, but Jesus has brought them into his story and he gives that story to them to be their own so that they participate in it. They become part of the new Exodus, the new uh, deliverance from the house of slavery. It's not from Egypt and from Pharaoh, of course, this time. No, this time, this is the ultimate deliverance from sin and from death and from Satan, the great accuser. So he gives them this gift. And the disciples would continue to celebrate this meal for years, for decades, for generations 
to come. They would pass it on from one generation to the next, even down to our present day, as we will enact today. And so, as the meal is passed on, this story too is passed on. We are made part of this story of salvation, the saving work that Jesus has done, continues to do, and will fulfill ultimately when he returns. And so, as those of us who have been called to publicly proclaim the good news of Jesus, to publicly forgive sins, pastors are ones who see to it that this sacrament, this meal, is administered rightly, that is practiced and passed on regularly. We see to it that we do it in line with Jesus' institution. So this is a central part of our life. We recognize that. And so it only makes sense that the Apostle Paul would write about this in several places. And our epistle text for this morning is one of these. Paul writes that the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So in this meal, as we come together as a family at a dinner table, We receive and take part in Jesus' story, his story of redemption, of restoration, of salvation. We participate, we share in common, not only our own lives, our own stories, but the very body and blood of Jesus himself, who suffered, died, and rose again, defeating sin, death, and the devil. And we are united through this faithful eating and drinking to Jesus himself and to each other as we do this. Paul puts it another way in his letter, the same letter, 1 Corinthians. He writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. You see, together we receive his forgiveness and life, just as he takes our sin, our death, our condemnation to the cross. And in doing so, as doing so, in coming and eating together, we confess publicly to the whole world that Jesus is our Lord. That he rules over us, he guides us, he protects us, he guards us from condemnation to sin. He delivers us from death. He is a good Lord. So I was at the National Youth Gathering this past week. And the theme of the gathering this time around was in all things. They know. God, Oshold's. Uh, So, in all things. And pulling the text from Colossians 1, we were talking about the preeminence of Christ. The main message was that God has this big story of everything that he has created. He has redeemed his fallen creation, and he is restoring it, and he is coming again to make all things right. And so... They say 
they told us, they emphasized this, that Jesus is Lord in all things. And this is right. This is true. Jesus is Lord in all things. This is our confession. And, and what this means for you today is that Jesus is not just Lord here on Sunday mornings, but he is Lord of all on Monday morning, on Wednesday afternoon, on, on Friday evening, on Saturday morning, everywhere in between. He is Lord at all times. And he is Lord not just here in this space, but he's Lord in your homes and in your places of work. When you go shopping, he is Lord. When you go on vacation, Jesus is Lord. And as you go about your lives, yes, we are called to confess and proclaim Jesus as Lord with our mouths, to tell people about Jesus and what he's done his death and resurrection on the cross. But we're also called to live lives that reflect that lordship of Jesus. And that can look like many different things in each of our lives, but the highest form of this confession of Jesus as Lord is given to us by Jesus himself here at his table. When we come and Receive his story. Receive his gifts. You see, when you come to this table, you do what Jesus commanded. You take and you eat. You take and you drink. You're exercising your faith, the faith you've been given in baptism, that trust in Jesus as Lord, as your good Lord who saves you. You are exercising that here. Luther explains it this way in the small catechism. Eating and drinking certainly do not do these things, deliver forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, but rather the words that are recorded, given for you, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, when accompanied by the physical eating and drinking, are the essential thing in the sacrament. And whoever believes these words has what they declare and state especially forgiveness of sins. This is his promise. In hearing God's promises of forgiveness, life, and salvation, faith responds to this invitation to the dinner table. Faith draws you forward to take part, to partake, to participate in the body and blood of Christ when you come, when you come to this table and you participate, you are confessing to the world, to your old nature, and to the devil himself that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that he has died, he is resurrected, and he has ascended, he reigns, he has won the victory, and he is yours, that he is for you, and that he is coming back to make all things right. Those forces, they have no more claim over you. They were your Lord before, not anymore. Jesus is your Lord and he reigns. And so in participating in this meal, you're not just remembering the past. You are making a declaration about the present that you are saved 
and the future, too, that our God saves and that he has saved you. And it is certain because Jesus has promised it, and he has proven himself faithful. His story is now your story. Salvation is yours because he has invited you to his table. St. Paul writes that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim to the whole world what Jesus has done and what he will do, and that this is certain. You openly confess to the whole world that you are a Christian, that you are part of God's family, that he has invited you in. You didn't intrude. He brought you in. And you come to the table, not on your own, but you come with the whole church. The church militant, those who are alive here on this earth, throughout the world, and the church triumphant, those who have gone before us in the faith and who now see Jesus face to face. You come together to remember what Jesus has done and to declare for all to hear and to see what he will do. You declare to a world that denies the lordship of Jesus that Jesus is Lord, whether they like it or not. He is Lord, not just your Lord. He is Lord of all. And you receive in this meal a foretaste, a little sample, that great feast of victory that is to come when Jesus returns and sets all things right again. So come. Come to this table and participate in the body and blood of Christ and declare to the world that Jesus is for you and that you are not alone. Come and confess so that when people hear that confession, when they hear that story, then Jesus is glorified and lives are changed. So come. Come and be refreshed. Come and be united. Come and confess with Christ that God is your Father, that God is for you, and that this is most certainly true. Amen.